And ladies and gentlemen, we are back for episode two, week two. We are watching Thursday Night Football. It's the Dynasty 1.01. You've got Zach, you've got Will, and uh, we're watching the New York Giants and the Washington football somewhat will be named at some time. Right, Zach? Right. right. Yeah, it's an underwhelming uh, game to this point. I mean, certainly, <laughs> certainly some stuff to watch from a fantasy lens. I mean, there's probably not a lot of people outside of the Washington New York area that are watching this game unless you play fantasy football uh so on that note will what are uh, what are some of the you know we're, we're only a couple minutes into the game here but what are some things that you're going to be watching for uh from a fantasy lens uh during this Thursday night game well the big thing is Heineke dude you know like that that is how is Taylor Heineke going to impact uh Terry McLaurin um how's he going to impact Logan Thomas um, I'm not so worried about Antonio Gibson. He got a lot of usage uh, last week. So um, I'm not really – if he can kind of keep that running back rush share and target share that he had against the Chargers, um, I'm very interested in him as like a low-end RB1. But, but what I'm watching tonight, the big things, how is Heineke going to impact the Washington pass catchers and what in the world is going on with Saquon? right? Yeah. Yeah. Saquon obviously is a big one to watch uh, for today. What's the usage going to look like on a short week? Um, that's, that's one that you absolutely have to watch if you're a Saquon, uh, if you've rostered Saquon yeah. in any format. Uh, one of the things that I'm watching on the other side of the ball uh, or other side from what you had mentioned uh, mm-hmm. with the Giants is Kenny Galladay. I'm fascinated by the offseason story of Kenny Galladay and then kind of how he came out week one. Uh, yeah. Obviously the last... Too. Yeah, the last time we saw Galladay have any sort of real uh, involvement in an offense, he was playing with the Detroit Lions a couple of years ago. ago. Yeah. Yep, and he was a very, very good wide receiver. I don't have it in front of me. I would guess he was a wide receiver one, maybe a, a high end two. Okay, he led the NFL in touchdown passes that year. There you go. Yeah. So uh, he was then obviously he had the uh, the injury last season, whether it was like a legitimate injury or just kind of uh, injuring himself out of Detroit. We, hey, we don't come on. know. Come on. We don't need, we, too yeah, early we, for that. We don't too need early to litigate for that. that. Yeah, come yeah. on, man. We, yeah, we'll get to the Lions hey, maybe in a little bit. But uh, now he is with the Giants in a move that was kind of widely panned, right? Like he's a guy who – certainly adds something to the offense, but you don't love Daniel Jones uh, as your starting quarterback. And I think the fantasy community was pretty down on uh, Kenny Galladay uh, throughout the entire offseason. Certainly some of that had to do with, with an injury that kind of kept him out of training camp and practices. Uh, but then he, he showed up uh, week one. He had 64 yards. He had a good amount of targets and he started to kind of look like the old Kenny Galladay. So I'm intrigued to see, what does that look like this week? Does that continue? Does that kind of circle back to kind of what the fantasy community thought he'd be, uh, you know, at his peak, he is a guy that you could count on week in and week out. And I don't think he's being viewed that way anymore. So I, I'm fascinated by his week two performance. Yeah. I mean, his value, uh, especially in dynasty peaked uh, during that touchdown late in year, two years ago. Um, but honestly, I, I have, you know, a couple shares here and there, and it's really hard to move Kenny Galladay. So uh, yeah, if there's some some value to be had here, uh, I would certainly like to see a bounce back from Kenny Galladay. Uh, I'm also watching Daniel Jones in this. He just ran in a touchdown uh, on, I think it was their first drive. So that's encouraging. You know, he's always had the legs, so um, we don't really have to get into Daniel Jones too much. Um, you know, we, uh, we actually cut uh, part of the episode last week where we kind of talked about Daniel Jones versus Sam Darnold because uh, Zach lost connection to the game <laughs> late yeah. in the fourth quarter. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, we just kind of rambled on. And one of the things we talked about was Daniel Jones versus Sam Darnold. I was on the, the side of wanting Daniel Jones uh, just because it seemed like the Giants want Daniel Jones more than the Panthers want Sam Darnold. Uh, but Zach was on the side of wanting Sam Darnold. And I think it was just because like the Panthers have kind of a higher ceiling as an offense. Am I, am I remembering that correctly, Zach? Yeah, I kind of trust. I mean, they both have a very high draft capital. Um, you know, I trust Sam Darnold being a casualty of the Jets slash Adam Gase offense. So uh, on a team where he has uh, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, uh, Terrace Marshall. He's got obviously Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. It, that is the best offense he has ever had 
around him. And so I'm, I'm trusting the, the Carolina Panthers and those pass catchers to, to really lift him up. Um, but, to, but to your point, Daniel Jones looked great on his first drive of Thursday night football. So, you know, we'll see, maybe he's, maybe he's going to uh, be that quarterback one now very quickly on Kenny Galladay. If he has a monster game today, will you have him in a redraft league? Are you uh, looking to trade him? If he has a big, let's say eight for one Oh five and, and a touchdown. Uh, it depends on how Daniel Jones looks like as a passer. I think that is, is big time. Um, but look, his, his redraft price tag certainly has fallen just as much as his dynasty price tag. So, I mean, you're, you probably didn't even have to dra- draft him as a wide receiver two this year. Right. So um, if he puts up that, uh, that stat line and he can potentially like show some signs of, of keeping up that workload, I'm keeping him. Um, but listen, Zach, you, you brought up the, uh, uh, or actually I brought up the Panthers because of Sam Darnold. Let's start, uh, with, uh, a little bit of looking back on week one. Uh, you were looking at quarterbacks in new places and how they would, um, you know, affect their teammates. And I was looking at rookie quarterbacks. And so I think the perfect place to start with kind of a a little mini recap of, of week one is Panthers versus the Jets. The Panthers beat the Jets 19 to 14. Um, I thought Sam Darnold looked perfectly acceptable. Uh, I thought Zach Wilson showed some really encouraging signs. Um, Now, I mean, they were getting blanked with like, the Jets were getting blanked with two minutes left in the third quarter. So, (laughs) you know, I don't know how much we can really expect out of the Jets as a whole this year, and especially Zach Wilson. Um, I, I don't think he's a guy that you want to depend on this year but if you got him in you know the the back half of your uh, first round rookie draft this year I think you got to be feeling pretty good about what you saw he really escaped pressure well and he he found guys you know downfield after scrambling he had to do that a ton which is not encouraging um, but yeah I liked what I saw out of uh, Zach Wilson and I was you know, fine with what I saw out of Sam Darnold. Did you see anything different? Is there anybody else you want to talk about from uh, the Panthers versus the Jets? No, I think, yeah, you hit the nail on the head, right? Like Zach Wilson is a guy that you really have no business rostering in, in any sort of redraft format. I mean, he, to your point, he had a fair game. He's going to be scrambling a lot this season. They just had the, I believe it was a C, uh, I don't know if it was a season ending injury to Mekhi Becton or not, but he's going to be out for a, a good chunk of time at, at minimum. So I think they're going to probably be designing some rollouts for Zach Wilson. He doesn't have, uh, you know, a great set of pass catchers that the offense probably is going to be running through Corey Davis and then just kind of pick your, pick your next guy up uh, week over week. So um, yeah, dynasty wise, Zach Wilson is a a really strong candidate to have a, a huge second season for me. I think the jets are doing things right. So if he's somehow cheap at some point, I mean, I would absolutely, want him on my team. And then for Carolina, same, same kind of feeling as you have. I think Sam Darnold looked good, right? His first game, uh, you know, through a touchdown pass 24 of 35, 279 yards, ran one in two, ran one in two. Right. Yeah. So this, this offense, at least, I mean, it's tough to make full judgments on week one, but this offense yeah. really seems to go almost exclusively through Christian McCaffrey and then DJ Moore. And then at that point, uh, Robbie Anderson looked really bad. He had one long touchdown. Terrace Marshall was somewhat non-existent, right? Three for 26. He had six uh, targets though for, for a rookie in his first game. Like that's, that's not terrible. So I'm, I'm okay with that. I, I thought um, Terrence Marshall was at least encouraging for a rookie. I should say. Right. He's, he's a guy that I, I have no problem having on the back of my roster just in case uh, he, he does pop. Uh, I have some serious concerns about Robbie Anderson. And I think one of the first texts that I sent you at the end of week one was, wow, this is an absolute sell high moment for Robbie Anderson. If people mm-hmm. just look at the box scores and just look at fantasy points, they may be excited about the probably what 12 ish points he put up, but my God, uh, one catch 57 yards on only three targets. That is a fantasy disaster uh, coming in, in likely in the coming weeks. Is, is that kind of how you're feeling too, or are you thinking there might be a Robbie bounce back? There definitely could be, but I'm, I invested very little in Robbie Anderson uh, this, uh, this off season and I'm 
I'm happy that that's the decision that I came to. Um, let's move on to some of the other things that we were watching in week one. Uh, one of the things that I was watching is what I dubbed depressing dynasty backfields. Uh, I was talking about, you know, LA, the, the Rams. Um, that turned out to be not too uh, depressing. We'll get into that in a second. But we were also talking about Baltimore, Jacksonville, and then we got to throw one more into the mix here with San Francisco. So who do you want to start with there, Zach? L.A., yeah, Baltimore, Jacksonville, or San Francisco? Let's start with L.A., and that's, okay. you know, at least for, for week one, I'll start by just saying that was a bit of a miss by me. I, I'm not ready to give up on, on Sony quite yet. I think the split will be a little bit uh, more than it was week one. But, uh, but it can't be any less, man. It, was, <laughs> certainly, it cannot be any less. And, and, and to, your, to your credit, you, you absolutely called uh, Daryl Henderson kind of being the, the bell cow there. Well, I always, I always thought when the Sony Michelle trade went down that Sony was being brought in as insurance for Henderson. Now, I don't think that the Rams ever want to give Henderson the kind of role that's going to vault him into the top 10. Um, you know, the fact that they brought Sony in, they want to keep Henderson healthy. That's, that's the main thing. So um, I think he had, you know, 16 carries. That's kind of where they're going to keep him, but he's on a good offense. And I think he's probably going to be a pretty solid RB two. He's going to have some RB one weeks. Uh, he's probably going to have some disappointing weeks. Uh, I do think that Sony will get worked in more, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very happy with Daryl Henderson at this point. Yeah, Daryl Henderson. Just to to throw this out there, he yeah. it, the most carries that he has ever had through college, or or the pros so far is 214, and that was in college. That was back in 2018 with uh, with Memphis. Mm -hmm. Is there, and in the NFL, the most carries he's had is 138. Is there any concern uh, for you? I mean, clearly week one, and he has shown in in previous years that he can. Uh, have you know 16 18 carries a game is there any concern for you that uh they you know they may kind of put him on for lack of a better term like a pitch count uh middle and late in the season and start to rely a little bit more on sony or are you are you feeling good that he that's can... an interesting question about the the timing of the season um i have no idea i i'll tell you what i'm not making decisions based on that possibility at this point. I, I'm yeah. just, I'm just not, I, I think yeah. there's, there's too much variance in, in football and in fantasy football already to be throwing that kind of thing uh, into the mix. That's a big, what if. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not really worried about that uh, as right of now. All right. No, so um, let's, uh, let's move on. We got Baltimore, we got Jacksonville, and we got San Francisco. Who do you want to hit next? Let's do Jacksonville. Cause that, that one, uh, Unlike yeah. the, you can take a victory about, lap on this one. I, yeah. I can take a victory lap in this one. I, you kind of had to read the tea leaves all off season. There was a lot of discussion about, uh, you know, Carlos Hyde being very involved in this offense and, and James Robinson being very involved as well. I think there mm -hmm. was a times uh, urban Meyer had mentioned that Carlos ET or rather uh, Travis Etienne was going to be <laughs> kind of their uh, third, third string kind of third down back. And so, uh, when he went down, it, it, you know, Urban Meyer came in and, and the second pick he made as an NFL coach was to draft a, an elite running back, which doesn't yeah. give you much confidence in James Robinson. And mm -hmm. also, as we discussed last week, Carlos Hyde uh, was coached by Urban Meyer at Ohio State. So there's history there. And that kind of played out a bit in week one. Carlos Hyde had nine carries for 44 yards, James Robinson five for 25 um, you know, this is kind of what I think it's going to be like. There may be a little bit more James Robinson involvement, but yeah. I think you're looking at a 50-50 split, and this is probably going to be one of those really frustrating backfields to have to try to sort out uh, week in and week out. So, I mean, Will, at this point for either of those running backs, do you feel confident starting either one moving forward? No, I don't. Like how how bad do you feel for the James Robinson guys who picked him up, especially in Dynasty last year? It's so hard to find that waiver wire gold, and they hit it last year with James Robinson. And then okay, yeah, they're riding high, they're riding high. Then comes the ETN in the draft, and you're like, oh no, James Robinson is out of here. And then oh, ETN injury. You never want to you know root for that, but it helped James Robinson's value. And now you get to week one, and it's just a fifty-fifty timeshare. Uh, yeah, you got to feel for for those guys with James Robinson on the team. Now, Urban Meyer did come out and say that he wants to get Robinson more involved. How much do you believe that? I don't know. He also said he wasn't taking the USC job, so uh, we'll see how that turns out. Right, right. And also, I mean, they are. Uh, 
seemingly going to be a really bad team. I mean, I, didn't, mm. I you know, I think that's yeah, they lost to the Texans. Too. Yeah, what? negative game script uh, to the extreme. I mean, they they yeah. got they didn't lose. They got absolutely they got the doors blown off. So you know, yeah. I don't. That may work in James Robinson's favor, maybe, but it, it sure didn't week one. So I, I this is a you can't get anything for them now. So if you have them, you're holding them and you're hoping that one starts to get the hot hand or one starts to get more uh, percentage of the rushes. And then from there, I would probably go ahead and try to sell medium high and just try to get them off your roster. This seems a lot like a Tampa Bay, Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette type of deal where week in week out, you're just going to be having a conversation with yourself of which one do I start? That's, that's not a fun place to be in fantasy. All right. Yeah. I, I think you're right about that. Um, let's move on to a couple other backfields who could be fun, but are probably going to be messes as well. Do you want to talk Baltimore or do you want to talk 49ers? You know, let's, let's do Baltimore. We'll save okay. the, the intro, the more interesting one, maybe for uh, waiver wire claim number one for yeah, <laughs> the next one yeah, for the end. So uh, Baltimore will, I mean, I'll kick it to you first. You're yeah. a, you're a Tyson Williams uh, shareholder, so to speak. And so I was before the Gus Ed injury. I, I really was, you know, yeah. like there were, there were um, beat reporter rumblings that, you know, Tyson was, uh, was impressing. And, um, you know, I went out in a dynasty league and I, I bet a lot of, you know, fab on, uh, you know, when waivers opened on Tyson, just in the, in the case that he would be Gus's backup, you know, that was my, my intention. So, um, watching the game on Monday night, uh, I thought that Tyson Williams was by far the most impressive uh, Ravens running back. I thought Latavius Murray did not look very good at all. Um, but what I do think is that the Ravens think that Latavius Murray is that more standard kind of typical RB one who you can just kind of like bash into the line. Cause that's what he did. And he looks the part, you know, Tyson Williams, it looked more of the kind of the smaller shifty back, you know, he scored that long. I think it was a 35 yard touchdown on the ground. Um, he just looked like the better football player. Um, so I'm hoping for logical coaching to kick in and for the Ravens to say, this is, this guy adds more to our offense than Latavius Murray. So let's give him the ball more. Um, and they did that in the, in the passing game. I think the, I think Latavius Murray had one more carry than Tyson Williams. So you don't love to see that as a Williams uh, manager. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a split, you know? And I think if the, if the Ravens are up, they're just going to run Latavius Murray into the line over and over again. And I think that Tyson Williams could be very game script dependent and you can really only trust him at this point as your second maybe third flex you know a lot of you know us who play dynasty the the rosters are super expanded so yeah i'm i'm looking at him not as an rb2 for sure maybe the second or third flex on your team i I think that's probably um where you have to have him and i i don't know what his value is in terms of like draft capital going forward that's a fascinating question what would you what would you trade for tyson williams yeah, I'd, well, first of all, I don't know that I, I would. Um, sure. I think there's plenty. Know, I'm sure there's plenty of people who who share that opinion. Yeah, I've seen a fair amount of Tyson Williams trades, and it seems like a 2022 second seems to kind of be the going interesting uh, rate for him. I probably would not pay that much for for Tyson. Um, that's higher than I thought. That's higher than I would have, I would have guessed. Yeah. So, I think yeah. some of it, you know, in a dynasty format, I think some of it depends on if you were, uh, if you have a team that you feel like is going to be competing, maybe sure. you feel like Tyson can be the guy to, to push you over the edge. My concern with Tyson is that I, I do think kind of to your point that he's going to be the pass catching, uh, used maybe 30 to 40% of the time. Whereas Latavis Murray is kind of that, Gus Edwards type uh, in this offense where he can be the, you know, the 16, 15 carries a game guy, but have no usage whatsoever in the passing game. Uh, I think so the carries are going to be split a little bit closer than that. Um, and yeah, to your point, like Tyson Williams, it will, will probably be more of the pass catcher, but going into the season, the big hit on Dobbins was um, that the Ravens don't throw the ball to the running backs, you know, right. they just don't do that at, at a high enough rate, but they did on Monday night, Tyson Williams did have a decent target share. So, he did. you know, monitor that going forward. 
Um, yeah, I think this this week, by the way, is is kind of the week that I'm going to be really watching that split. I think, um, yeah. you know, Latavius Murray had all of maybe, you know, 96 hours or something to get acclimated to that offense. Sure. So yeah. uh, seeing him after a week plus in the offense and seeing what type of uh, snap count they give him, I think is going to be really valuable to how you value these guys moving forward. If it's a 50-50 split after this week, I mean, we may be having, we may be singing the same song as we are about Tampa Bay, as we are about Jacksonville. Um, Maybe, maybe a little bit more um, enticing only because they're one of the most prolific running offenses uh, ever. Exactly. But but outside of that, I mean, it may just be kind of that uh, maddening, you know, RB3 type of uh, guy that you have uh, bi-week fill-in type of thing, but we'll see. I think it'll be an interesting one to monitor moving forward. All right. So let's move on. San Francisco. This is the big one. Uh, In a standard redraft, how much out of $100 were you willing to spend on Elijah Mitchell? Yeah, I think that I, uh, we, I am only in one uh, uh, fab type of uh, waiver situation where he was even available. And I think I, I, you could certainly correct me being the commissioner of the league that, that I'm talking about, but I think I, I threw out maybe somewhere between 19 and $21 uh, mm-hmm. for him and uh, was, was doubled basically in the, the winning bid was $41 out of a hundred. Yeah. Um, you know, listen, I think there's a, a real possibility that Elijah, Elijah Mitchell is potentially a league winner. If he slots into the Raheem Mostert role, I mean, yep. listen, fast, fast guy, uh, given a ton of carries in a offense with an elite offensive line, uh, this could be the pickup of the year. But what do you now? I'm I'm kind of in your same camp. I think I bid seventeen or so dollars on him. Um, you know, he wasn't available in any of the dynasty leagues that I was in. Most people got him in the in the third or fourth round. So congratulations to you people for sure. Um, but yeah, I think I, I, I spent, you know, about 17 and was outbid by the, the same player there. Um, I, yeah, it's within the realm of possibilities that he is a league winner. I think the most probable thing is that he plays the Mostert role, which like when Mostert was on, I mean, he was a, a rock solid RB2, you know, with RB1 upside, uh, depending on, on the game. Uh, so I think that's probably more possible, but it's also within the realm of possibilities that Trey Sermon comes out and leads this backfield and carries next week. Like that is, don't get me wrong. It is also within the realm of possibilities that Trey Sermon is inactive again, as he was in week one, which was a super surprise. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's just a very, very messy situation. I, I do agree that, Mitchell is probably the the guy that you want there at this point, at least in redraft. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm rooting for Sermon to to overcome whatever got him into the doghouse, um, and and possibly take over this backfield. Yeah, I think that that's the reason, right? Why I assume that you and I were were scared to throw any more than you know seventeen to twenty percent of our uh, fab on it is because of the 49ers and their propensity to uh, yeah. just kind of to to you know play kind of a, a a switcheroo on us when when we think we know what's going on. And the other yeah. thing I will say, and I I want to give credit where it's due. I believe I heard this on the Fantasy Footballers podcast, although it could be somebody else. So forgive me, but. I think there's, um, you know, you kind of have to be aware of some of the the moves that the the 49ers are making. They just picked up Trenton Cannon, who was yep. released by the Baltimore Ravens. And uh-huh. listen, you know, as far as like stealing snaps and, and handoffs uh, touches from anybody on that roster, pretty unlikely, but he absolutely can be a contributor in special teams. And the thought is that the 49ers don't want to have four active running backs right now. Uh, on their roster, right? They have Elijah Mitchell, they have Trey Sermon, they have Jamichael Hasty, and now they have Trenton Cannon. So if they're only going to keep three of those people active, you wonder if Cannon is going to stay active as a special teamer. Jamichael Hasty, there's been no reports of him ever being inactive. So you you kind of want to see this week. There may be one, you know, we'll see what happens with Trey Sermon. If he's inactive again this week, I think you're going to see a pretty darn big Elijah Mitchell week, and then we'll see what happens from there. But uh, this is one to monitor kind of week by week, I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there was, there was some chatter that the reason that Sermon was inactive he is because he wasn't going to add anything on special teams, and that's why you saw 
Elijah Mitchell with so many carries. I think it was 19 carries against my lowly Lions yeah. uh, in week one. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a bit of a mess. Um, from a dynasty perspective, are you now trying to maybe sell high on Mitchell or buy low on Sermon? Um, what's, your, what's your take on, on those two from a dynasty perspective? Yeah, I think you kind of nailed it as far as what my plan is. I probably at this point, I mean, it, it, you may not be able to do it right away after you just picked him up or, you know, maybe if you had him from your rookie draft, you might be able to sell high. Um, and I would absolutely look at that. Um, a 2022 second isn't tremendously alluring to me. I mean, it holds value for sure. I, I would consider selling him for a second round pick. Absolutely. And I would definitely uh, grab Trey Sermon. I don't think he's going to be valuable for a few weeks probably yeah. i think he he comes i think he maybe comes to life uh week four five six uh and then then we kind of see what happens and it may again i mean i i'm broken record here but it may be one of those kind of weird backfields just like the other ones we've talked about where mm-hmm. you kind of have to just guess uh which one it's going to be at any given time um if if somebody does take the full-on moster role and gets 15 to 20 touches a game i mean if if elijah mitchell does it again this week then I think we're having maybe a different conversation. If he has, if he has upwards of 20 carries, then we're having a, a different conversation. I, I don't think that's really what the 49ers want to do. Um, so, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm hoping super, for at least Trey Sermon to be active. <laughs> right. And super positive game script the entire game for the Niners until the last, you know, half of the fourth quarter. So very positive, you know, yeah. is, is, is Elijah Mitchell at the pass catcher too? You know, we'll, we'll have to see if it's a close game or they're behind. I don't know what his role is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, before we take a quick break, uh, and move off of the Niners, uh, what the hell is up with Brandon Ayuk? What is going on there Man, in the yeah. doghouse playing behind T- Trent Schofield? How, I don't yeah. even know how to pronounce his name. No. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's not good. It's, it's, you know, uh, I don't know what to make of it, frankly. Um, you know, all off season, this was a guy that literally everybody was trying to get their hands on. I mean, he was, yeah poised to be uh, a second year breakout wide receiver on an elite uh, offense. People were valuing him well above uh, Debo Samuel. I traded uh, Debo straight up for Ayuk uh, very early in the off season. And I thought that was an mm. absolute steal. Uh, so, you know, I think this yeah. is another one that, you know, I don't think you sell, I don't think you buy. I think you just kind of have to wait this one out. Yeah. I, I, th- I think that's probably right. I mean, I had a, a deal that I was working on all off season centered around Galladay for Brendan Ayuk. Um, could never get it done, but uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think that's going to get it done still. Cause you got a hold, you got a hold on Ayuk, you know? Yeah. I mean, right now you wouldn't trade Galladay for Ayuk. I don't think. I don't Dynasty. think you would. Yeah. I don't think you would. Yeah. yeah. I, think I mean, you'd wait. have to, you'd have to add something to Galladay, but I, I do think that, um, the kind of games, if you can call them, that are being played in San Francisco with Sermon being inactive and Ayuk seeing nothing and then everything coming out about Ayuk needing to, I don't know, work harder or beat out the the journeyman above him. Right. Um, I don't know. It just it it adds a lot of weird variance to that whole team. Um, and they're already letting Trey Lance vulture touchdowns from Jimmy Garoppolo. So. <laughs> yeah. And also right. I think the, the games probably stop by the way, if the Niners start to lose, uh, I think, you know, if, if mm. they come out and lose week two, I mm. think you're going to see, you know, Hey, just kidding. Uh, sermon's active. <laughs> I active, you know, I, yeah. we'll, we'll see. We'll see on that. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's uh, a good point. Let's take a break. Um, on, uh, we come back, we're going to talk about some other things that we picked up from week one and, uh, yeah. Uh, join us after that. All right. We are back. The dynasty 1.01 ready to talk about some things that, uh, we picked up during, uh, watching some film week one. Uh, Zach, I don't know if you know this, but, uh, my kids started soccer, uh, this weekend. So right, yeah. it's right at, uh, two o'clock. So, uh, right after the games kicked off, after I get my fantasy lineups all set, I was out the door. I didn't get mm-hmm. to sit down and watch, uh, NFL red zone. Um, during Poor planning. That, that fun. Well, look, man, the, the one o'clock hour of red zone 
one o'clock East Coast time. You know, mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm an East Coast dad, unlike uh, Zach. He's a he's a Arizona guy over there. Right. Um, the one o'clock hour with all the games in red zone, so much fun. It That's really is so much. Fun. It's it's excellent. But it does watching that does not really teach you much about player usage and the things that are interesting for fantasy football. So what I like to do on a Monday is I have to come back. I like to settle in. I work from home. So I've got my, my work on the one monitor and I've got NFL game pass on my second monitor. And I just chug through games, dude. I just like, I think I watched seven games, you know, before I broke for lunch for the day. So uh, I, I just want to ask you some questions about kind of some things that I saw and uh, get your take on those. Uh, sound good? Yeah, I'm sure your employer is just thrilled, by the way, about your setup, just crushing games the entire day while you're supposed to be at work. You've got to <laughs> love that. Hopefully they don't want, but hopefully they don't listen to the Dynasty 1.01. I have always been a good multitasker, okay, man? Like, I, get, I get my stuff done, and uh, I am able to watch these games. The, the great thing about Game Pass is that, like, the condensed games, you can watch a game in, you know, 40 minutes, 50 minutes. It's it's the perfect setup. Yep. Um, anyway, so uh, we already talked uh, mm. Panthers Jets, which was uh oh, what did I? What, what's going on here? Little Terry, little, little, little Terry? Terry touch, little Terry, little Terry touch. touch, little Terry touch down. We love right, that. Man. Good deal. Yeah, I hope you guys are enjoying uh, us watching this game live and these Thursday games live because we're not changing it. No, we're not doing it. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's this locked is, in. This is all season. <laughs> anyway, so the first thing that I want to talk to you about is uh, the Steelers over the Bills. And what I want to talk to you most about is Josh Allen. He did not look good. Um, is there any reason to be worried about Josh Allen? He still ran the ball plenty. They designed runs for him even after the contract. Like, are you are you a little bit freaked out? What percentage are you freaked out after week one with Josh Allen? Maybe two maybe percent. Uh, okay. This doesn't. This yeah. This doesn't do much for me. I mean, he, last year he had some weeks where he wasn't elite Josh mm-hmm. Allen. He had some weeks where he was super elite Josh Allen. Uh, I'm not saying you should bench him well, when he has a difficult matchup, but this was a difficult matchup. You're, I mean, you're this, not benching him in superflex ever, uh, right? Well, and and probably not even just regular yeah. one quarterback either. Yeah. I mean, it, this is a guy who's who's going to finish as a top five quarterback, pretty much guaranteed. Uh, he ran for 44 yards on nine carries. I mean, he was almost yeah. their lead rusher uh, mm-hmm. in terms of carries. So he's from yeah. a fantasy and perspective. And Zach Moss was inactive. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you're uh, if you're a Josh Allen, uh, if you roster Josh Allen, uh, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you kind of have to recognize that sometimes there's going to be some matchups that are not going to play uh, to his strengths, but he's always going to keep you in the game with his legs. So I, I'm not at all uh, worried about Josh Allen moving forward. Yeah, and you're not worried about Najee Harris either, right? I no, mean, no. like only, only what, like, yeah, uh, he, he had a, a long of 45, and then everything else was like one or two yards. I mean, yeah. the usage is there. He, I think he was out there for every offensive play. I mean, he was out there for every offensive play. Yeah, he. I mean, listen, we the 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 one thing that everybody knew about going to the Steelers was they were going to have a very questionable offensive line. Uh, yeah. And so that's kind of where we're at, right? I mean, it's the same with, with Saquon. They have a very questionable offensive line. You have to trust the talent. You have to trust the guy who's likely going to be out there mm-hmm. for every series, for every play. He's a, he's a true three down back and uh, things are going to get better for sure. This was his first game in the pros. He's going to yeah. be fine. I will say that Ben did miss Najee high on some passes, like I think three or four times. So there's, there's some receiving work that he could have, that he could have had there. Yeah, three All targets. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Let's, uh, before, actually, before we move on from that game, am I still, uh, right in wanting to sell Gabe Davis? He got the touchdown only two for 40 on five targets. I, my take on Gabe Davis is that that wide receiver room is just too crowded. Am I still, uh, should I, should I back off that? You know, he's got another year on most taxi squads. Should I just wait and see where am I, my right in trying to move Gabe Davis still? Yeah. I think if you have kind of a, an embarrassment of riches at wide receiver, uh, yeah. you just leave him on the taxi squad and kind of forget he's there. Um, hmm. you know, Emmanuel Sanders is, is not getting any younger. Um, you know, I think there's a possibility that over the next couple of years, he, he materializes into a, you know, the, maybe their number two option, but this, this season is right. going to be a long one for Gabe Davis. He's got, at least three guys ahead of him uh, as far as uh, pass catchers. Um, so yeah, I, if, if you don't, uh, if you're not going to be com- competing and, and you think you can get a pretty sizable pick for Gabe Davis, I'm all for kind of cutting loose. He's never going to be a, a wide receiver one. He's never 
I, I don't even know that he's going to be a wide receiver too in his career. I mean, he's kind of a guy. He's going to be around for a while. He's got talent. I just don't really see him being like an alpha number one. He has the benefit of being on a great offense, but that, that's kind of it right now for him. Okay. Well, let's move on to uh, one of the other games that I watched from that early window, uh, the Eagles over the Falcons. We don't really have to say anything about the Falcons. The Falcons were bad. I mean, they had their second field goal early in the second quarter, and they had zero points after that. Honestly, they may be a candidate for the number one overall pick. Hmm. Like it's not, it's not talked about much. Like it's the Lions and the Texans, the Lions and the Texans, but the, the Falcons are a just horrid horrid franchise right now there's well, the, the jags definitely chance. threw their hat in the ring uh, oh that's a great point too yeah. great point yep yeah but the per the place the uh oh my god the player that i want to talk about from that game jalen hurts because we had a, a trade this offseason it's rare that the the hosts of this podcast trade with each other especially in yeah. dynasty but we had a trade this offseason where you traded jalen hurts to me and i am feeling pretty good about that trade uh, after this week, I, I was, you know, understandably a little bit nervous in the off season. They, they wouldn't fully commit to him. He was only a second round pick. So you never know what's going to happen in the long term. but 27 for 35, 264 and three touchdowns had seven carries for 62 yards. He was the QB six, you know, so I, I you got to be happy with that. Um, he looked good too. I mean, he was reading every single play. Every single play was play action where he was reading the defense. I don't know how much of that is trickery and how much of that he really has the license to take off and run. Um, but I liked what I saw. Uh, granted, that could be against the team who is possibly the worst in the league in Atlanta. But maybe, just maybe, the Eagles had the perfect game plan uh, for the Falcons. And, you know, we can kind of – throw things out for Atlanta after this game. Um, but anyway, what's your take on Jalen Hurts? Do you think that uh, that he did enough from a football standpoint to kind of put a, a, a check in his direction for maybe keeping that job long-term? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's week one. It's tough to tell if he's going to be the guy, you know, the franchise quarterback moving forward, but he sure looks like it week one. I mean, it is, from a fantasy perspective, uh, this is like the exact type of quarterback you want to have on your team. Uh, it, similar to Josh Allen. I mean, seven rushes, 62 yards for Jalen Hurts. Um, mm -hmm. Really, really outstanding passing day. I mean, he's a quarterback one with the potential to be a top tier quarterback one. Um, you know, he, I think some of the concern maybe that I had going into it was, you know, his number one receiver is going to be a rookie. His number two receiver is going to be a guy who had a really bad rookie season last year in Jalen Rager. Sure. Um, but you know, after, after watching Devonte Smith, uh, he Ooh. is for real. Ooh. I mean, there's no, yeah. there's no doubt about that. I, I was told he was skinny. Will I was told he was skinny. Well, he um, is, but he can still be good. You know, eight targets, six catches, 71 yards. His first NFL catch is a touchdown. That's pretty yeah. sick. No, he's a real one. He is a, he's a guy you want to, uh, you know, wait for maybe a down game and try to grab him. But uh, no, Jalen Hurts is, is for real. I mean, he seems like a guy who, you know, we're going to be talking about maybe not quite to this level, but I mean, uh, amongst the running quarterbacks, the Kylers, the Lamars, the Josh Allens, the Dax, I mean, he's kind of in that class. Mm -hmm. If he can stay this consistent with his, uh, completion percentage and if he can continue to run like this i mean we're talking about a potential thousand yard rusher uh you mean receiver uh well no i'm sorry i, I switched back to jalen hurts oh you think jalen hurts could run for a thousand well 62 rushing yards in the first game right i'm no mathematician here but uh <laughs> you know 62 i will also have the yeah. benefit of an extra game right okay but, you know 62 times 17 is a little over a thousand yards oh yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, I keep forgetting about that that new game there. Um, all right, before we move on from this one, uh, I, I just want to say, I want and I want to hear your take on this one. Go out and get Miles Sanders, guys. Oof. I don't know, man. Go out and do it. I think I, you, I think you should do it. His here's here's my argument. His value fell with like he was tied to Josh Jacobs as they just mm -hmm. plummeted down rankings right. and ADP, but. I mean, he looked good in this game. He looks like a perfectly fine RB2. He had 15 for 74. He had four catches on five targets. Um, they rushed him for the uh, the two-point two conversion. Um, yeah, I think, like, he didn't have a monster game, but 
he had that game that kind of reassures me that he's going to have definitely not RB1 numbers, but some weeks with RB1 numbers. And I think he's going to finish the season as kind of a middle of the pack RB2. And I, I don't think the market has caught up with that yet. So I, I'm okay with going out and getting him here. Yeah, I'm a little worried about it. I think they have, uh, you know, Kenneth Gainwell, who the the coaching staff brought in uh, this off, you know, as a, as a rookie pick uh, in the draft. And they gave him nine carries, you know, for 37 yards. That's that's a pretty nice debut for him. Uh, he also found the end zone as well on the ground. He was involved in the passing game on two receptions on three targets. I mean, I you know, for his rookie, uh, for his first game in the NFL to get that much, uh, that many touches, I think is is somewhat telling. Um, mm, sure. But let me let me let me ask you, being high on Miles Sanders in a dynasty league, what are are you comfortable giving away a first for him? If you're if you're a relatively competitive team and you feel like maybe he could he could uh, obviously it'd help your team. Do you do you feel like you'd give away a, a first for him? I would. Yeah, I would. Would you would you give up uh, a two firsts for him? Um, no, I don't think I would. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'd go that high, but yeah, yeah. I, I think, um, yeah, I think a first round pick is, is actually absolutely perfect value for Sanders. Um, yeah. and I think that if it's a, if it's a first and you get creative with a couple other, you know, throw-ins and you get something back, I think that's, I think that's yeah. totally fine. Yeah, that's reasonable. All right, let's move on, uh, uh, from that game. We already talked about 49ers a little bit, but I just want to go through my notes and, uh, call out every time I typed LOL for the lions. Right. You know, right. just to, just to make you feel better because your team got absolutely dog walked by the Northern yeah. saints. Yeah. You know? You're going to probably need some, uh, you're going to have to order from Amazon, a new L and an O key <laughs> to replace on your keyboard. <laughs> I might. Uh, all right, let's go through it. Uh, LOL missed lions field goal. I believe that was the first field goal attempt. Uh, LOL lions fumbled kickoff. Uh, that was fun. Uh, we did recover that one by the way. Uh, LOL Goff pick six was horrible. Yeah. Just awful. I mean, he, he kind of, the offensive lineman got kind of pushed into him as he was throwing it, but he still threw it into basically triple coverage and not triple coverage, like down the field. I'm talking triple coverage, maybe like 12 yards down the field to TJ Hawkinson. who's in the middle of the field. It's yeah. like, Oh, not good. Um, LOL, the coverage on the long ass Debo TB, the TD. Mm-hmm. That yep. was that was um, poor Jeff Okuda. Oh man, ruptured Achilles. Just golly, oh, bet the bet the bet the over on total points moving forward. I mean, they're, the 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 Lions are going to get some points scored against him this season. Yeah, yeah. To your point there, LOL down thirty eight ten. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a valiant comeback though. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely a valiant comeback. But uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm not so happy with that one. Um, all right, so let's move on to uh, Seahawks over the Colts. Um, there was one guy who I really liked as a late-round uh, tight end in redraft uh, and a potential buy in Dynasty. That was Gerald Everett uh, this offseason. But, you know, oh, man, only two targets for 20 yards did score a touchdown. Um, but Will Disley had one more catch and mm-hmm. one more target, and they basically had – uh, the same exact snap count. Yeah. Um, so what what this tells me is that Shane Waldron, the guy who came over, is now the offensive coordinator uh, in Seattle, came over from the LA Rams. He brought that two tight end philosophy that really killed Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett's value both last year. Yep. Um, he, he brought that to Seattle. And so I think me and everybody else who was saying that Gerald Everett is a late round uh, tight end target. We got to jump off that bandwagon um, because he's just not going to be out there enough to really do it. And he's going to be a touchdown dependent tight end, which a lot of them are. Um, But yeah, I'm, I, I will take the L on that one because I thought that he could actually do something there. Unlike Tyler Higby, who I was trying to get this week in uh, in a redraft league, I was I was yep. really trying to get him because he played all the offensive snaps. He had like a, a 23% target share. The uh, the Rams didn't have to throw it that much um, because when they did throw it deep with Matthew, Matthew Stafford, it was usually for a touchdown. But yeah, Tyler Higby was somebody who I was uh, I couldn't pull off a trade as of yet, but I'm uh, still working on that because I think that he could have the season that we were talking about him having last year. Uh, before he was kind of derailed by those two tight end sets. What do you think about that analysis of uh, Tyler Higby? 
Yeah, no, I think that's right. I think Tyler Higby is a pretty decent buy right now. Um, yep. Yeah, he he has the talent. We've seen it. Um, he had uh, that couple of years back. He had what like the second half of the year had just some like ridiculous, like never before seen type of volume and uh, production uh, in the second half of of what 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, and and at that point, he was he was pretty much acting as the number one tight end there. Um, so now that yeah. he he has that right with a better passer. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. He's, he's a guy that I think could, could very well be uh, a, a nice uh, tight end one and, and even ceiling maybe kind of in the middle, uh, you know, five to seven range uh, tight end. This oh season. yeah. I think like tight end seven is probably his floor at this. Yeah, point. that's fair. That's fair. Uh, and then as far as Seattle goes, you know, listen, I think it's going to, it's going to be a bit of a low volume kind of passing attack like we've seen forever. Um, I think that's what they're looking for. You know, if they can hit yeah. deep on those shots, like that's, yeah. that's what they'd rather do than anything else. I mean, yeah. And there's, what, there's not a lot, there's not going to be a lot to go around once you, once you uh, factor in the DK Metcalf, the Tyler Lockett. I mean, the, you know, at that point you're probably going to be seeing three targets, four targets yeah. a game for these tight ends. And that's just not going to work for, uh, for, for certainly for redraft and probably not for dynasty. Lockett looked so good though. That touchdown, like over the shoulder twisting. So good. Man. Just cr- criminally underrated for his entire career. Just an absolute baller. Uh, obviously why they locked him up this off season for a second contract or another contract. So uh, he's, he's a guy that, you know, gets the label boom bust, but mm-hmm. I- I'm okay with, with going out and trying to grab him. Maybe not right now after a monster first week, but he's a guy that can absolutely be an every week, lock it in uh matchup proof type of starter for your team yeah absolutely another another lock it in rock solid guy is chris carson you know yeah uh, just absolutely just getting work you know especially now that uh rashad penny is a little bit injured um so yeah i think uh carson is another guy who's kind of like never had the the high draft pedigree you know people kind of think he's a little bit older but he's really not you know, in uh, Dynasty, uh, like Chris Carson, I think could could be a buy with the the right manager. Yeah, and he's actually he's kind of a guy that always another, another uh, Seahawk that flies under the radar. I mean, he has been uh, to your point, he's kind of been uh, you know downgraded uh, season over season as a guy who's just not gonna they're not gonna trust him with a, a high workload. They're not gonna trust mm-hmm. him with the amount of carries that he continues to get every single season. And he got 16 touches as a running back for the Seahawks in, in week one. I mean, he's, he is an, a, he's a fantastic fantasy running back dynasty redraft, you name it. If you've got him this off season uh, for cheap, uh, good for you. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. I want to talk chargers over the Washington football team. I, we already talked about uh, the football team here. Is it time that I can finally talk about Mike Williams? Can I do it? Yeah, you know, I think it is time. Uh, why don't you? I'll I'll, let, I'll give you the floor here because this has been your this has been your guy now for a couple seasons, and I think it's it's it it may finally be that time. Okay, Mike Williams, week one, eight catches, twelve targets, eighty-two yards, a touchdown. I think this was the maybe the fourth time in his entire career that he's seen double-digit targets. He had two targets on the opening drive. He had a really nice catch wiped out by holding. And he almost catches a touchdown earlier in the game. So he could have had two. Like there was all all offseason, you're hearing that Mike Williams is going to play this X role that uh um Mike that uh, Mike Thomas uh played in New Orleans. So like target hog. Now I'm not gonna say that he's he's close up to there. I think we talked about this last episode a little bit, but I from what I saw in week one, the the tape and the stats are matching what we heard all off season. And I think that is fantastic news and has already increased his value in my eyes. Now, this is a guy who people have absolutely given up on and it's always hard, especially in dynasty to convince somebody to come back on board with somebody who they have really kicked to the curb. So, uh, I don't know, I guess I'm, I'll open the floor to you. Do you think Mike Williams can be not necessarily the Mike Thomas uh, target monster, but can he be at least a wide receiver three on your fantasy team going forward? Uh, without a doubt, yes to that question. I yes, think he, okay. he's, he's finally there, right? I think, you know, he's just a shade under 27 years old. He turns 27 in a, a couple weeks here, which in Dynasty, you know, despite popular uh, thought, is still a young wide receiver. Um, 
like yeah. that needs to be said too. Yeah, don't um, give up was, on your wideouts until they're like 31. Yeah, like because I mean, maybe, Seriously, right? like for, honestly, for man, some, for some, yeah, for absolutely. some of them. Yeah, like, the mean, bigger physical guys, they tend to age out a little bit quicker. But like, right. yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it, and also you know, roster construction, blah blah blah. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah blah, blah. I, th- I think uh, Mike Williams absolutely can be the guy. He. He now has uh, Justin Herbert in his second mm-hmm. year, and I think collectively we all agree that Justin Herbert is for real. He is going to be a very elite quarterback for a very long time in this league. Uh, he had him last year too, and and you know didn't didn't have as great of a year. But the second year of Justin Herbert with Mike Williams, you know you have uh, Keenan Allen, who although we did just talk about age, you know is twenty nine years old, not you know still very elite wide receiver one. But this may kind of be. Uh, a season where not a passing of the torch necessarily, but kind of a, you know, Hey, this guy can be our, our number one uh, moving forward, uh, you know, in the next couple of years. So I'm, I'm very high on that. And also as an aside, Daniel Jones just ran for about a 60 yard touchdown run. Uh, yeah. Flag down. Let's see what that is, but whew, that would that be was his, his unreal. second rushing touchdown. And that's a really nice run. Well, and he can call his mom after the game and tell her that he didn't fall down, which is nice. <laughs> I call my mom every day and tell her that I didn't fall down. <laughs> yeah. I'm On sure days that I don't fall down. Right. Well, yeah. So few and far between for your mom. But, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. She no, gets a call Mike once Williams, a month. All <laughs> right. Yeah. I think, uh, I think Mike Williams is, uh, is, is going to have a very, very productive year. You know, listen, this is, uh, this is a Corey Davis situation, right? Like, this is a guy who yep. has super high draft capital, who mm-hmm. uh, is a bit of a late bloomer. And then when, when they bloom, they're, they're, they're pretty darn good. So, um, you know, kudos to you for sticking around on, on big Mike Williams. I think, I think he'll have a nice year. Well, uh, correct me if I'm mistaken, but I'm pretty sure this is Mike Williams contract year. So I think if there's a, if there is a big year here, and as you touched on earlier, Keenan Allen is getting up there a little bit. Do you think that Mike Williams stays in, uh, in LA with the uh, chargers and becomes the, maybe not a wide receiver one on your fantasy team, but the uh, the wide receiver one for Justin Herbert. Do you think that's like, what, what probability would you stick on that yeah. outcome? Yeah. It's tough to know. I don't, you know, without kind of looking at their, their team finances, things like that. But if I he has, if he has um, let's call it 1100 yards and eight touchdowns, do you think he yeah. gets resigned there? I think, I think he does. I mean, I don't yeah. see why they wouldn't want to do that. Right. Given the, the makeup of their team, they, they need some help. Um, yeah. In the receiver room, they have an old ass Jared Cook. Uh, you know, they have Jalen Guyton. They have uh, Josh Palmer, who's kind of an intriguing uh, rookie pick at wide receiver. But um, you know, I think this is a guy you probably want to tie to to Justin Herbert for for another few years for sure. Okay. Um, well, let's move on. Uh, cards over the Titans was another one that I wanted to talk to you about. Do we take anything anything away from this from a Titans standpoint? Um, I don't. I, I mean, don't they got blown can. out. It was thirty-eight to thirteen. Like, yeah, it was immediate blowout. Like the, the Titans start three and out fumble, and I think that fumble went for uh, for the defensive touchdown. So they were down early, right? And it never got better. Yeah, I don't think you can really uh, rely on this as as being an indicator of too much for for the rest of the season. I mean, the the, mm-hmm. the main thing that I think is like yes, Antonio, or rather AJ Brown is going to be good. Um, yeah, that, that's kind of what I've taken away. I'm, I'm kind of oddly fascinated by what the next couple of weeks hold for Julio Jones. I mean, he, he went from an offense that yeah. was just throwing the ball more than any other team in the NFL to a team that uh, kind of famously is a run first team uh, mm-hmm. and, and had a, uh, AJ Brown there to kind of be the, the alpha when they did throw um there is a bit of me that's a little concerned about julio i don't think i would bench him i don't think i would necessarily try to trade him or anything yet but i'm I'm, that's probably one of the things i'm most interested in over the next couple weeks is does his target share improve uh does he develop a rapport with ryan Tannehill? uh because this has got to be pretty weird for him you know at age whatever it is 32 to all of a sudden move to a totally different team totally different offensive uh scheme uh, it, it may take a little bit longer than we want for Julio to get kind of acclimated to this offense. Yeah. I mean, if, if there's another stinker this week, I think we got to, uh, start getting worried about everybody on the Titans offense. You know, uh, sure. we were, we already went through the ups and downs with, uh, AJB as dynasty managers this off season with, uh, Oh, he's, you know, potentially the wide receiver one, you know, this year, 
to, oh, they got Julio and and now he's kind of like back to where he was. And if, if they're going to regress, if that team is going to regress, then yeah, I mean, he's like a, a wide receiver two with wide receiver one upside, you know, if they're going to keep on doing like this. But like I said, I don't think we take too much from this. Um, you know, was there anything from, uh, from the Cardinals uh, perspective that you wanted to, uh, that you wanted to touch on? Kyler looked just so good. I mean, 289 with four touchdowns, five carries for 20 yards and a touchdown. He just extends plays forever. Is there a, a more fun quarterback in the NFL to watch than Kyler Murray? No, there's not. And that's, that's the, that's your fantasy quarterback one. Um, for me, I think he's for dynasty. You, you think that absolutely you, in redraft and dynasty year. Yeah. You think I he's, think so. I think he okay. finishes higher than Patrick Mahomes. I think he finishes higher than uh, Josh Allen, you know, and so on and so forth. I, th- I think he's uh, a different level of quarterback. He has, uh, his, it seems like he's gotten better at throwing. He's always been a ridiculously elite runner, but now he has, you know, he has Rondale Moore, who's kind of nice, uh, kind of a nice option. He has Christian Kirk, who looked really good. I mean, now that he's kind of out of the Larry Fitzgerald I wanted shadow, to ask you about Christian Kirk. Are you, is that a buy or a sell for Christian yeah, Kirk? Yeah, I think, you know, honestly, I think that's a bit of a buy for me. I, I'm, really? I, he he okay. came out as like a really highly touted guy uh, coming out of Texas A&M um, and actually came out of Arizona for high school, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I think he was just kind of a, a casualty of like odd, odd uh, roster construction. I think he was behind uh, Hall of Famer Larry Fitzgerald. I think he, uh, yep. you know, I think there was this kind of weird Andy Isabella love for like a minute or two. And now that Fitz is gone and Isabella is an afterthought, AJ yeah. Green is just kind of like puttering around on like one side of the field and like, you know, yep. just kind of like moseying along and, and maybe he attracts some coverage, which is, which is nice. But I think, 25 uh, per- yards on six targets. Yeah, he's completely washed, um, 100% washed. Uh, but I think uh, Christian Kirk is going to be like a true number two. Like I think he's going to be a downfield guy. I think he's going to be a deep mm-hmm. threat. And I think he is going to. I think he is going to be a very, very intriguing fantasy wide receiver for the rest of the year. I, you know, and maybe I'm wrong. He he hasn't done much yet, but I think it's. I think it's starting to come together. And I think Kyler uh, specifically helps that uh evolution for him i'm happy to do a bet with you uh william uh if we can think of one between maybe now and next week uh put something on the board you know a christian kirk related bet interesting well i i I liked what i saw out of christian kirk i mean great long touchdown catch kind of over the shoulder and then his second touchdown catch was good too kind of twisting kind of back shoulder fade um looked really good you know who he reminded me of who we talked about earlier in the episode tyler lockett sure i could see that yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the the only other thing I will say about this game, mm-hmm. I mentioned it on Twitter, so I'm sure millions of people saw it. Uh, Anthony <laughs> Anthony Ferkser is an absolute nothing, by the way. He's not going to be a contributor whatsoever in fantasy this year. I don't see him being a contributor in Dynasty. Uh, sell him for whatever you can get. I, I just I don't see it. If Jonu Smith was not good when AJ Brown was on the field and was very good when AJ Brown was off the field. You're going to tell me that his backup is going to be at all okay with Julio Jones and AJ Brown there? It's not going to happen. He, you know, he was like a the cute sleeper pick this offseason. I was like, hey, maybe a late round tight end. He will do nothing this season. I would sell him for a fourth round pick. I don't care. Mm, okay. All right. Yeah, I, I think that I have no problem at all with what you just said yeah uh let's move on i want to talk about one more team uh from this this past weekend i want to talk about the denver broncos you know because we got uh javante who was a you know javante williams first round probably first round late rookie uh draft uh versus melvin gordon they were basically tied at 33 snaps 50 percent split that right down the middle melvin mm-hmm. gordon had that long 70 yard touchdown yeah. Uh, that really, um, you know, made his day look a lot better. Um, and then, unfortunately, we have to talk about Jerry Judy's injury and what that does to Tim Patrick, who saw 70% of the team's snaps. So let's start with the running backs. Um, do you think that this performance from Melvin Gordon is fool's gold? And are you, are you impressed with the snap share that Javante had? Um, what's your take on that backfield split? Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's fool's gold. I think Melvin Gordon is a very good NFL running back. Um, I, I don't think that it'll be enough for him to 
keep Javante Williams at bay the entire season, but I absolutely think Melvin Gordon's going to be pretty involved in this offense for a, a pretty good amount of the season. I mean, I think kind of like how Cam Akers last season, you know, over the last quarter of the year really kind of emerged. I think that's what we see from Javante. Um, you think it's going to take that long? I think it'll take a while. Yeah. I think okay. Melvin Gordon is, is very, very good. JK um, Dobbins had that kind of same trajectory. And right. I, I don't know what their snap share was early in the season, but I was encouraged by, you know, Javante basically splitting work with Melvin Gordon. Absolutely. And I think that that's a great system for the Broncos, you know, don't overwork Melvin. Don't mm-hmm. give Javante yeah. too much early. I think they, yeah. they let that ride for a little while. I don't yeah, know. These coaches you... are not fancy football players. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and again, you know, this, uh, you know, this is the theme of the show, but you know, for now, I don't know that you feel super comfortable starting either one of these guys, um, you know, maybe as a flex would be fine. Um, mm-hmm. you, you take away the 70 yard touchdown by Melvin Gordon. He has a fairly pedestrian day. Um, you know, I, this is one that I'm monitoring moving forward. I think Melvin Gordon is, is still a very good NFL running back, but, um, clearly you don't draft a guy in the first round to, to just kind of like hang around for the entire season. So there will be a point where Javante, uh, takes, takes the lead in that backfield, but I think it's going to take a little while. Okay. So the last thing that we need to talk about today, unfortunately it's Jerry Judy's injury and what that does to the other Denver Broncos pass catchers. You know, obviously Jerry's, uh, Jerry's going to be out for um, a number of weeks. I think the estimate is what, six to eight. Uh, I think it's four four to six now, but four uh, to six, but it's a high ankle sprain. So there's a history of guys coming back and not performing well after that. So I think you got to be, yeah. You got to be probably not starting him. Yeah. Even if he's back after six weeks, I don't know how comfortable you'd be starting him. You know, probably seven ish to eight weeks is probably about right. All right. So how high do you have Cortland Sutton during that time? When, when Judy is out, is Cortland, Cortland Sutton a top 15 wide receiver? Um, no, no, that a, no, that's a bit high. Yeah, it's a bit high. Um, okay. I think, I think he's probably the, the number one option there now. Um, you know, really, really rough week one for him, but you also have to consider they were playing the Giants, right? So they have a Dory Jackson, they have James Bradbury is not, not a good matchup for him at all. So if you can somehow buy Cortland Sutton low, like absolutely do it. Uh, I think he's, I don't know, over the, the next, what, month, month and a half, I think mm-hmm. we're looking at a, you know, I don't think top 20 is out of the question though, you know, like a kind of a yeah. back end, I would, back I would end wide receiver top 20. I, th- yeah. I would think he's top 20 while Judy is out and he might be top 20 after that. I mean, there was a non-zero chance that he was going to be the, the number one receiver there anyway. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, and, uh, he, he wasn't, uh, you know, over the first three quarters, you know, I think, I think at this point in dynasty and it's only been one game, but mm-hmm. Jerry, Ju- we talked about it last week. Jerry Judy is the guy you want to have in that offense. Jerry Judy is, is going to be a very, very, very good dynasty wide receiver for years to come. Uh, so you're buying was- low, you're buying low. Oh, Judy. oh my God. I, I okay. also tweeted, uh, you know, go ahead and just, and, and this is in dynasty, obviously go ahead and just throw out an offer of Cortland Sutton for, jerry judy straight up right now and i would do that in a heartbeat i would add something to Cortland sutton to get jerry judy frankly okay interesting all right well, there's a lot of mouths to feed in denver so it's going to be you know i think that the interesting thing is you know after Cortland sutton who is it is it fant is it hamler is it patrick you know i think it's it albert o i think it's yeah. Patrick. i yeah, mean it was probably. it was last year like you know the, the fantasy football and football is it's a small sample size game you know and last year we had you know a pretty good uh, one-to-one comparison between th- this year's situation and last year's situation. And I think that, you know, Tim Patrick was, was very serviceable last year. I mean, he was absolutely startable. You could start him every single week where uh, Cortland Sutton was out. So I think that uh, I think it's going to be Tim Patrick. The market is very high on KJ Hamler and I, yeah. I'm not sure I understand that. I think he's, kind of a sell at this point yeah it's it's speed really um and i think some i don't remember where he was drafted but i think he had some pretty decent draft capital too so i think the the thought is you know you just everybody kind of moves up one uh rung on the depth chart and so if if kj hammer was four you know roughly before if you include um fans then now he's the third option and like hey you know him and tim patrick and if you if you know speed kills so maybe he Maybe he breaks out. I think as far as like dynasty ceilings go, I would probably rather have Hamler than Patrick, right? Yes, just because of age. Sure. Right. 
Right. Um, and so I think there's, if you're a contender, I could see, I could see selling Hamler straight up for Tim Patrick just to, you know, if you needed, if you needed a starter, like let's say, I would probably wait. I would wait on that. I would wait at least this week to see that before you pull the trigger on something like that. I, at least for me, because I think there's absolutely a chance that KJ Hamler does possibly outpace Tim Patrick, you know, maybe slightly unlikely, but you'd, you'd look like, uh, you know, you'd probably be kicking yourself if you pulled that trade off and then lo and behold, Hamler comes out and drops eight for 150. Yep. All right. Fair enough. Um, well, look, guys, we are going to leave it there. Um, tune in on Monday. Uh, we are going to release a special episode uh, because the my Detroit Lions are playing Zach's Green Bay Packers, and we're going to give a little – preview of that game and um on you know as as optimistic a person i can be i am mm-hmm. not looking forward to that one should be a lot of fun all right well we're going to wrap up here uh dynasty 1.01 thanks for tuning in uh we appreciate you we love you uh come back next time and look out for that special episode uh regarding monday night football my lions zach's packers all right take care